everyone. Welcome back. It's the PDT Sportscast, week two. I am Alex Heider, um, sports writer with the Ports at Daily Times. I'm along here with my editor, Chris Sloan. How's it going, Chris? Pretty good. How about yourself? Not bad. Um, so we got a good show lined up for you this week. We, um, we're going to be talking about some of our um, breakout players in Southern Ohio um, for the upcoming season. We also will have a conversation with a special guest. And we will reveal our picks for week one of Ohio high school football. Um, but first of all, let's start with um, who we think um, some of the breakout players in, in the area will be. I know last week we talked about the teams. This week I kind of want to focus on the players, um, who we think will have, um, have a good year. Um, I know this week Chris was at uh, Greenup. He covered the uh, Greenup County-Lewis County game that kind of kicked off the whole uh, football season for everyone. But um, I know there was one player that really stood out for you, Ryan Bird from Greenup. Yes, he, um, he was coming off an ACL injury that, that derailed his entire junior season. Uh, he only carried the ball uh, seven times. They kind of limited his workload a little bit. Uh, but he gained 40 yards and scored two TDs. And um, from his linebacker position, also intercepted a pass, uh, I believe in the third quarter, and returned it 26 yards for a touchdown. So he scored three touchdowns. Eased back in on offense. Uh, all in all, a very productive night. I expect some big things from that young man this year during the senior year. Yeah, you talk about them limiting his workload. I mean, uh, they didn't really need much out of him in that 35 to nothing win over Lewis. Um, That's but yeah, played a part in it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I was there too. He, uh, he looked very impressive, um, especially we know that with Greenup, they haven't had a lot of those winning seasons in the last decade or so. They're really trying to turn the culture around there. It looks like they're turning a corner, and I think uh, Ryan's a big reason why um, that they're uh, sort of on the up and up. And uh, I think you've talked about it a little bit. You think that this could be one of the best Greenup teams in, in school history, not just in the past couple of years. I think so. I think so. It starts with, you know, Ryan, of course, um, Jared Hunt, their quarterback, uh, he scored the other two touchdowns between the duo. They had five touchdowns uh, Friday. He uh, had 96 yards. But the defense, the defense allowed not a little over 19 points a game last year. Uh, Friday night, they, they limited Lewis County to minus six yards of total offense. Um, you know, the first two series, um, you know, they had a, a fumble recovery inside the eight-yard line. They uh, – uh, tackled the punter on a fourth down play of the second series. I think the entire Greenup offense went a grand total of like 22, 23 yards on the first two series. Well, you know, it's pretty easy to score when your defense is getting you the ball back, you know, in great field position like that. Exactly. And they got a big game uh, about with the uh, Russell Red Devils coming up this week. Uh, more on that later. You'll see find out who our picks for that game are. Um, but before we uh, get to that, let's jump back over to the Ohio side of the river um, talk about the big game of the week. Um, hopefully this uh, podcast will be released before um, this game kicks off, but we got Valley and Portsmouth opening the season, the Ohio season, on Thursday this week. Uh, Big-time matchup. It was a great game last year, that 41-40 to thriller. Um, Portsmouth was just a few plays away, a few drop passes, a few turnovers away from pulling a major upset in week one. Um, but... I think that this year it's going to have a little bit different feel. Um, uh, Valley, they've um, their defense really stepped up and was a big part of their playoff run. They kind of gelled after that um, breakdown in the week one. Um, I think that Aaron Duncan's new defensive scheme should help out Portsmouth a lot. Um, so it, I don't think it's going to come down to as much throwing the ball, which means we'll get to see um, a big 
time look at um, who I think one of my big breakout players of the year is Sam Basham of uh, Valley. I think um, he's poised for a big year. Um, so he had about 300 yards rushing in um, the regular season last year. I think about maybe 200 of those came in just two weeks, so week 10 against uh, Minford, and then in the first round of the playoffs against Nelson New York, scored uh, like three touchdowns in those two games, 300 yards, and was filling in for an injured uh, Jordan Howard. Um, and now that with Alex Loop's graduation, expect to see Basham sort of get an expanded role in the offense. And um, I think that uh, Thursday night will be our first look at that, um, that his new role, and I think he'll really step up and sort of take advantage. Um, so even though he got sort of limited snaps last year, I think he's really poised to have a big year this season. Yeah, um, you know, if you if you remember last year, it like you said, it was a shootout, over 900 yards of offense. Um, it seemed like, you know, Brian Rolfe, you know, would hit Romanello down the seam, touchdown. Scott Oliver, you know, for Portsmouth to come back. Rhoda is left, you know, hit somebody in the end zone. You know, it, it was just back and forth. I don't think – I'm with you. I don't think it will be like that this year. I think a major reason why is I think Coach Duncan, Aaron Duncan, um, knows that he has to play ball control. You know, I don't think they can spread Valley out, go, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Well, they couldn't last year. So I don't think they're even going to try this year. Um, so I think that'll be a big part of the game plan. And, you know, I, I like your Basham pick for Valley as far as the breakout year, mainly because of their offensive line. Yeah, their exactly. offensive line's good, you know, led by Drew Wolford. You know, they were great last year. You know, they could throw the ball later in the year. They could run it earlier. I don't see any reason why they can't do either one this year. Yeah, there were a lot of questions on that offensive line coming into last season just because – um, they were also young. They were all uh, like juniors last year at, at the oldest. There weren't many seniors on last year's team, and they really stepped up and proved their worth. And now that they're seniors, I think the expectations are a little higher. But they've done it before, and I don't think there's any reason to expect that they won't do it again. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I think their offensive line, and most of those kids are playing both ways. So on the defensive line, um, they should be pretty stacked as well. Um, on the other side of the ball, I think um, tight end Zach Delotel is kind of for a big year. Um, during the basketball season, I remember um, I'd get there a little early, see uh, part of the Portsmouth JV game, and um, Delotel was, he was kind of the leader of that JV Portsmouth basketball team, and I know he got some time during the varsity minutes, um, got some varsity minutes as well, but those were well earned because he was hustling all up and down the court, he um, diving for loose balls, um, he was kind of all over the place. And he's sort of a short, stocky kid, uh, sort of built low to the ground, center of gravity. But he's got some, he's got some wheels on him. He's pretty fast and athletic. Um, he was also a really good pitcher for them this year. Um, so it's not like he, um, he he's very, definitely athletic enough to, uh, to play the tight end position. I know he's gotten some big catches for them in their couple scrimmages. Um, and he's also going to play linebacker for them too. I think he's more experienced at the linebacker position. Um, and I think he should be have another big year there. And he's also their kicker. Yeah. Um, he, what didn't he do? Exactly. What can he do? Um, he, uh, I know he had some big kicks last year. Um, again, he doesn't really fit the mold of the, as a kicker, but um, against Waverly, he um, nailed a pretty uh, significant field goal. Um, of course, that Waverly game came down to the last play. The Tigers scored on uh, no time remaining. And instead of going for going – for overtime, they went for two and didn't get it. So um, 
De La Tell's field goal proved to be the difference in that game. And um, so he, he brings a lot of uh, aspects to the game. And I think one of the most important is his leadership. He's very, um, I, I think just his hustle and um, sort of his intangibles will really fire up Portsmouth. And um, I think they'll really rally around that. And he um, should have a big game. I think he should be on everyone's all-district watch list. Yeah, I think actually one of the most underrated parts of his game, you were talking about kicking, is uh, he was their kickoff person yeah. last year too. And it was amazing, you know, if you asked him to kick it deep and, and let the, you know, guys return it, he could. If you asked him to kick it high and let an up man bring it back because you were scared of a return, he could. You know, they it gave Portsmouth so many options, you know, when they were kicking the ball off that, you know, that's a great weapon to have. Yeah. You know, he, he's a very versatile player and, and a very good one for Portsmouth. Yeah. Uh, any other Trojans on your uh, watch list this year? I think uh, Cole Lowry, just yeah. for the simple fact, you know, sophomore quarterback, you know, got some experience when Scott Oliver hurt his knee. You know, I think ended up uh, when um, they made a switch at quarterback later in the year, he went out to receiver. So he's got some receiver experience, quarterback experience. I think he'll be a, a key guy to watch. Um, I think this new offense will benefit him trying to run the ball, more play action. I think that'll fit his style more. So I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of season he can have. Yeah, and um, he's got a nice stable of running backs back there led by DeRay Richardson and um, uh, I think Austin Mullins or Dylan Mullins. I, I think it's Austin. Austin. Uh, sorry, to, apologies to the Mullins boys. I always get you guys confused. Um, but, yeah, they has got a whole stable of running backs back there that should really help him out and sort of take the pressure off him and um, really uh, sort of slow the game down for him. I think that should help out a lot. Um, moving on to maybe the other game of the week. You got uh, Wheelersburg and Ironton. Um, of course, they played twice last year, once uh, in week one, the traditional rivalry game, and then they met again in the regional semifinals. Uh, Wheelersburg won both of those games. Um, but I think um, this year we'll – get our first look at quarterback Kyle Davis um, for the Pirates this year. He's had some playing experience. I think he played defensive back for them last year. But again, he's like DeLotel. He's a very athletic kid. He also played basketball and baseball and excelled at both of them. I think he was one of their uh, most important players on both of those teams. Um, so he's athletic enough to play that sort of read option scheme that um, Coach Woodward likes to run over there. Um, he's quick. Uh, he can sort of do things with his feet. Um, not sure about his arm, but if it's anything like his baseball arm, it's got to be pretty good. Um, he should be able to get the ball out to those receivers in those uh, quick, sh sh like those quick slant passes. And um, again, I think he's a good fit for uh, Wheelersburg. And uh, again, like we talked about last week, they got that sort of plug and go system, and I think um, uh, Kyle Davis will fit in there well, plug in right in there, and um, do some good things for Wheelersburg this year. I completely agree. Um, from talking to Rob Woodward, um, just getting a sense from him, you know, I don't know if he would say this or not, and it's no disrespect to Austin May, but, you know, I kind of get the feeling from him that, you know, maybe he thinks Kyle Davis, you know, might be a little bit more dangerous of a runner than Austin May. Yeah. You know, and it's no disrespect, but, you know, I, I think he thinks that Kyle Davis is a very, very good athlete. You know, I know Kyle Davis might not have the strongest arm, but um, he delivers it on time and accurate. You know, he can make the throws when he needs to. Um, they also have a very good offensive line. You know, that they always average, helps. Yeah, I'm averaging 6'2", 278 across the board. Um, you know, he's got the um, weapons around him, Chase and Burke, Jordan Howard. So I think he's set up in a perfect position to succeed. 
And like you said, plug and play system, you know, I, I think he's in a good position to succeed. Yeah. And then on the other side of the ball, I know we both agree that Ironton's D'Angelo Pal- Palladino um, is probably going to be the early front runner for offensive player of the year in the district. Absolutely. You know, he was first team all Ohio last year and Southeast uh, district player of the year. Um, 195 rushes, 1,552 yards, and, and 17 touchdowns. And from the early reports I've gotten is he's added his bulk and speed to his game. You know, not not that he needed any. Yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe, you know, he has a 2,000-yard season in, you know, yeah. in him. Yeah. But like we talked about earlier, um, health and um, just, you know, will Mark Volstein and coach give him the opportunity, give him that many carries to see if he can break 2,000 yards. Exactly. He's already getting some college looks. So, um, again, his future is probably a little bit more important than what what, what they're doing at Ironton. And um, you got to keep him healthy just for his well-being. And um, hopefully he can stay healthy because yeah. if he does, um, I think he's uh, on pace to do some really big things and this you, year. And you want to keep him fresh. You know, any postseason aspirations, exactly. you want you want to have him fresh. Yeah, so. Ironton should figure right in that postseason picture. And, um, yeah, you want to keep him, your players fresh, um, especially toward the end of the year when uh, the grind gets really tough. Um Moving on to Minford, uh, I think that they really got a steal in Mike, Michael Stiltner. Um, he played at East last year. He was a defensive back for them, earned third-team All-Ohio. Um, he had eight picks and um, two defensive touchdowns. Um, so, and then he decided to transfer to, to Minford this year. Um, not sure what the circumstances were, but I'm sure the Falcons will really enjoy having him. And then not only was he great on defense, but he almost picked Rush for 1,000 yards on offense. Um, so, again, I think that's uh, really big. He should really answer some questions for Minford in the backfield. I know they have a lot of ball carriers that they're looking to give carries, and I think he should really help uh, sort of um, give them an option in the backfield. Yeah, can we, can we go ahead and call it transfer of the year? I mean, you know, why not? Um, like you said, he almost averaged 1,000 yards last year with the Kia Brown at East, yeah. who got 1,000 yeah, yards exactly. last year. You know, Minford had, you know, three or four running backs that they were alternating, you know, with due to injuries. Uh, so Stiltner can come in there and, you know, run. He ran against behind a great offensive line at East. Well, Minford's strength on offense is their offensive line, led by Kane Madden and Eli Daniels. Yeah. So, you know, Stiltner can come in there and compete and, you know, possibly, depending on how many carries he gets, I could see him getting close to 1,000 yards behind that system. Yeah, and if you were going to have a conversation about breakout players of the year, uh, I guess you can't really leave out Blaine Scott from East because um, he's got to be probably the biggest or maybe most talented offensive lineman. He's definitely got the size to play at the next level, and he already has offers from Toledo and Ohio. So that's after one year of football. When you get Um, looks as a freshman, that kind of makes you a breakout player. Exactly. I know he played a little bit of center last year and then moved out to tackle to take over for uh, Nick Basham, who got hurt. Um, but, yeah, he should really anchor that offensive line. Uh, again, the East kind of lost a lot on the offensive line with uh, with Basham and uh, Tyler Gerald, and now he's transferring going to, um, to uh, IMG, who, by the way, you can watch on ESPN this Sunday. Um, IMG takes on, uh, I think, another team from Florida on ESPN on Sunday. Anyway, that's what to look for this week. But, again, back to Blaine Scott, he, um, he's got to be – I mean, he's that guy. There's always one or two of them from this area every year. 
the guy, the kid that's getting a lot of college looks. Uh, last year it was Gerald. The year before that it was um, Jared McRae from Minford. He's kind of the guy this year, and he's got the eye of colleges, and um, that should really um, propel East this year. He's going to be one of the main reasons that um, if they're going to be successful, he's going to be one of the main reasons. Well, if he stays at East, he could be <laughs> he could be one of the main reasons the next three years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it could be fun to kind of watch his career and watch all the colleges, you know, come to Sotaville to really get a good look at him, you know, mm -hmm. if he doesn't transfer. Yeah. It could be interesting. Yeah. And we talked about Kia Brown already with the 2,000-yard rushes. I mean, he's been rushing behind some pretty good offensive lines. I'm sure he's very thankful for that. But, um, again, he's going to be on everyone's list of players to watch yeah. for. Um, maybe make it three straight 1,000-yard seasons. Wouldn't it be first in school history, I think? I, I mean, it doesn't happen often. If it, yeah. if it has happened before, um, you don't really see it that often. So, um, again, Akia Brown, uh, probably poised for another big year. Uh, we didn't talk about West. Um, I think we both agree that uh, linebacker Josh Davis is sort of the player to watch for there. Um, he had 111 tackles last year for the Senators, and um, that defense is really the strength of their team last year, and he was a big reason why. Exactly. Probably the biggest uh, breakout player defensively uh, in the area, if you had to call one, uh, with their 4-4 defense and the way that um, – Ben Johnson likes to kind of overload a side, you know, bring all these exotic blitzes. Um, yeah, 111 tackles first year in the system. You know, he plays that inside linebacker position. I, I look for some big things from him again this year, you know, another 100-plus tackle season and everything, and, and he'll be right up there. I yeah. think he'll have a breakout year. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. They West played 11 games. He had 110 tackles. That's 10 tackles a game. Yeah. That's a pretty crazy pace for, for anyone in high school football. Um, and I think, uh, obviously, John Barry will be playing quarterback for West this year. Um, I believe he's still going to be playing some defensive back for them. Um, and that's really where he made his impact last year is on the defensive side of the ball. He was really important linchpin in that secondary that really um, shut down. I know they shut down Valley um, and a couple of other teams. So he is definitely um, someone to watch for, not just for what he's going to be able to do on the offensive side of the ball at quarterback, but um, on the defensive side of the ball at defensive back. Yeah, Ben Johnson uh, has told me that he's just a terrific athlete all the way around. He can run, he can throw it offensively, uh, defensively. There's no way that they'll that the, that they will take him out of his uh, defensive position. You know, they'll want him back there guarding receivers. You know, covering. So I look for him to be a terrific two-way player this year. He'll be an intriguing player to watch. Yeah, uh, if we want to go a little bit north of West Portsmouth, we can talk about Northwest. Um, I think uh, Donnie Borens is going to be the guy to watch there. Um, he uh, had about 800 yards rushing last year for them. Um, was also a big um, component for them at linebacker. Um, he, along with uh, Jordan Bringer, they're both returning. So they're returning two quality uh, running backs last year. And I know they lose Drew Scarberry at quarterback. But, again, the strength of their team was their ability to rush the ball and their sort of um, power offense. I think it was a – a wing T or um, double top double tight wing, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's if you if you're gonna run that offense, you need some good running backs. You got two in Donnie Barnes and Jordan Bringer. Yeah, I think all the uh, attention fell on Drew Scarberry last year. Um, you know, because of what he did on the basketball court, he was a terrific basketball player. Yeah, he was the quarterback. You know, sometimes he'd line up a receiver, catch passes uh, when they would want to throw the ball up. But uh, Barnes and uh, Bringer, like you said, they were both terrific last year. And now they'll even probably take on more of a load, you know, mm -hmm. with Scarberry being gone. So I look for both of those players to just pick up, you know, right where they left off and just, you know, 
lead that Northwest rushing attack. Yeah. Uh, moving up to Pike County, um, one of uh, Northwest's uh, big opponents this year is going to be Eastern. Um, I think uh, Dalton Tomlinson um, is going to have a big year for them. He's, um, I think he's a, a sophomore or junior. Can't really remember, but I know he's Scott Tomlinson's um, their head coach. He's their his son. He'll play, and uh, Scott Tomlinson is really excited about his um, front seven on the defensive side of the ball. And um, Dalton Tomlinson's a big reason why he plays uh, defensive end and should really bring a lot of pressure um, to the quarterback in uh, Eastern's first year. And he's also going to catch a lot of passes from the tight end position, um, which is going to be important for them running that spread offense. They need a lot of receivers um, and a lot of um, targets. And he's a big kid and um, should be a big target um, for um, Evan Leist, at quarterback. Yeah, I'll be interested. Just Sorry, Ethan Leist. <laughs> yeah, I'll be uh, interested just to see their stable of receivers. Um, you know, I continually talk to SOC1 coaches that just say that they have a ton of athletes up there. And, you know, they're, they're worried about once they get in that spread attack, they unleash all those receivers, how they're going to cover them. Because a lot of SOC teams, you know, aren't used to covering those spread attacks and that quick pace. So, you know, a lot of teams are worried about Eastern, and, and I'm excited to, to watch them play and see what they have. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I had one more guy to watch for. Um, that's Tariq Gilbert from Waverly. Um, last year, he, he's going to play a little bit of defensive end and wide receiver. So that's an interesting sort of um, dual – I guess, position, positioning for him. Um, he's a big, tall guy, um, but he's also really fast, so he's going to be sort of a speed rusher off the edge. He had 35 tackles, um, one and a half sacks last year. Um, he also blocked two kicks, which is um, good. I know it's around here, it's kind of hard to find points through kicking, but anytime you can take points like that off the board, that's really important. Um, so he's going to be, a threat again, a threat on the edge to block kicks, to make sacks and to catch passes on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so, And he's only a sophomore, or he was a sophomore last year. He's only a junior this year. So he'll have um, this year and then next year to sort of make an impact and uh, get his name out there. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see what Waverly does with him. Um, you know, like you said, being a receiver, you know, he's kind of tall, lean, pass rusher. I'll be interested to see if they keep moving him to the weak side defensive end. You know, that way he doesn't have to take on all those strong side blocks and really, you know, stop the run and get beat up. Because obviously if you keep getting beat up and having to take on the fullback and the tight ends and everything, you know, you're not going to be much use to anyone on offense. So I'll be interested to see if he plays mostly weak side uh, this year on defense. Gotcha. Um, do you have anyone else that you want to single out? Any Anyone that we left out? Um, yeah. Um, Notre Dame. Oh, that's right. Collins. Yeah, Michael Collins. I think we both agree that – um, he's going to have a big impact for the Titans this year um, at that uh, wingback position. Yes. Um, in their uh, wing T offense, it's really important to have a tough, hard-nosed kid at, um, at wingback to do those cutback blocks and then get cut block, uh, yeah. get blindsided. But you always got to be able to get up, um, shake it off, and then carry, maybe carry the ball the next, next play. And Collins did that for them last year, and I think he should be um, another big part of their offense this year. It's almost like a fullback position. You know, yeah. you're, you're getting hit pretty much almost every play. Like you're just leading it up there. And he does it very well, and he continue, continuously gets up. So, yep, like you said, hard-nosed, tough. That, that describes him to a T. Gotcha. Uh, I think that just about does it for our um, players to watch this season. Um, again, it's week one of high school football in Ohio, so we'll see how many of those rang true. And, um, who steps up that we didn't even 
picture that's not even on our radar right now because we know there's going to be a few of those. Every year there's a couple of um, freshmen and sophomores that step up and have big years, and we're excited to see who those are. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a more clear picture after week one, you know, once we kind of see some of these teams in action. Yeah, and we will have our picks later in the day, so you'll find out who we think will prevail in week one. But first, we have an interview with a special guest, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the TDT Sportscast. We are now joined by West's Jordan Teeman. He's a junior golfer um, and one of the, uh, I guess, contenders for uh, SOC Player of the Year. Right now he's uh, neck and neck with uh, Mitchell McFarland of Wheelersburg, um, and he's hoping to continue his streak of good golfing uh, the rest of the year. How's it going, Jordan? Uh, it's been doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. And... I mean, you're golfing pretty good so far this year. Um, you uh, took the Tri-State Junior Golf Tour earlier this year. You were named Player of the Year um, for your age group. Um, that must have helped you a little bit um, in this early season a surge, uh, give you a little bit of momentum coming into the season? Uh, yeah, it gave me a little bit of momentum. But if, if I wouldn't have had all the support behind me with the head pro Tyson Phillips helping me out, and the rest of my golf team down there practicing and helping out, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, and you definitely have a really good team behind you. You guys won the SOC last year in golf, and you, um, you got some pretty good golfers this year. I think you guys are ahead in the uh, current standings right now. Um, who are some of those golfers that have really pushed you? I know um, uh, Trenton Cole is one of them, is one of your teammates, but who are some of those other uh, golfers on your team that really pushed you and helped you become the golfer that you are today? Um, Cody Finley, Aaron Dyer, uh, David Matney, Jordan Heilman, Marty Niddle, and Brady Witt. Yeah, um, and it's it's got to be pretty competitive golfing up against um, all those guys every day, day in and day out of practice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, talk about, is there, do you guys have a little bit of, because um, golf's a very individual sport, does, um, do you guys kind of have a sort of running total? Do you guys know where you are in the standings in terms of where you are in the team and stuff like that? Um, usually we just, when we go out, like we have, when we go to practice, we, we have a little game amongst ourselves to see who can shoot a better score. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you uh, been coming out on top of that usually? Um, usually I do, but then there's a couple of days that I have a little troubles and I, I'll get beat by one or two. Yeah. Who are some of those guys in your team that have really been pushing you, who are like pushing you to get the best score every day? Aaron Dyer and Cody Finley. But yeah. most of the team's been right there with them. So mm -hmm. it's it's helped. Yeah. Anyway, we talked about it a little bit, but um having those guys around you every day pushing you, that's that's definitely gotta help you. Um how how have you seen your game improve um after golfing with these guys every day? Um it's helped a lot and it's starting to get better and I forgot to mention one more teammate, Drew yeah. Howard. And he's he's been there, like, knocking on the door, too. But 
we've all had a couple bad rounds together, so it's we're there for a team. Yeah, yeah, and um, you haven't had many bad rounds this year, but when you do, what's it like to have a team like uh, like your teammates around you to kind of pick you up and help you go out the next day and shoot better? Um, it helps out a lot. Usually, when one person has a bad bad round, then we'll we'll try to have a positive attitude about it and try to help them bounce back for the next round. Yeah, I'm sure it's got to have uh, help a lot to have um, teammates like that that get your back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then um, obviously there's been a lot of back and forth between you and Mitchell McFarland of Wheelersburg. Um, for that um, SSC Player of the Year title. Um, what's that like going up against him? Um, how is he kind of pushing you to be, be a better golfer, and what's it like going up against him every day? If it wasn't for Matt and him, I wouldn't be where I was at today because they helped me lead into the right path of what I need to do. So it's kind of fun going up against him. It's challenging, but we like playing against each other. Mm-hmm. You're playing against the scorecard, right? Um, I try to go out and play the course, but we have yeah. fun playing with each other. Yeah. Um, so you guys have had a pretty pretty good relationship. Have you guys had uh, been pre- friends for a pretty long time? Um, not a real long time, but we've been friends. Yeah. Um, so the, what's that like going out there? I mean, I, you said you're playing the course, but um, you got a buddy out there who's pushing you. Um, you got your teammates behind you. It sounds like um, every, it's a lot, a whole community is almost uh, pushing you to the top of the leaderboard. Uh, yeah, that helps. But with, if I didn't have all them guys behind me, I still wouldn't be where I was at today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so going back to your summer, how many hours of golf do you play uh, a day Um how often do you get out there, and how long are you out there? Um, I started out the day I put in four or five hours at the practice screen, and then I might go out that day and play nine holes or so. Yeah, and I interviewed you a couple weeks ago, and you said you love every second of it. You love just being out there all the time. Yeah, it, most people see this. If I didn't like it, why would you put in all that much time? Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're going to be out there for 10 hours a day, you might as well have fun doing it. Yep. That's the yeah. same thing Mitchell does. Uh, I give him credit for that, too. He goes out and he puts a lot of work in. Yeah. Um, so looking ahead to the rest of the season, uh, what courses do you have left and uh, what sort of challenges do you think you'll see uh, for the rest of the rest of the season? Um. Actually, we still have all four, Dogwood, Shawnee, Little Scioto, and the Elks. Okay. So, tomorrow is our first actual SOC match. Today, we had a, our practice uh, match for Dogwood for our SOCs. But I think it's going to be pretty interesting this year for our SOC titles. Yeah. Um, and I know when I talked to you earlier this year, you said that you had a little bit of trouble on Dogwood last year. Um, do you think you got that kind of straightened out? Are you ready to go uh, for Wednesday? Uh, yeah, I think I got it figured out because we played a couple more practice rounds this year, and I played pretty good there. Yeah, so uh, you're ready to go. You're rearing uh, 
ready to get out there and uh, beat that beast. Yes, I'm ready yep. to take on the next challenge. Definitely. Um, and I remember talking to you last year after you won uh, the Tri-State Junior Golf Tour. You said your favorite golfer was uh, Jordan Spieth, and he's having a pretty good year, to say the least. Um, what? Just talk about his year, and uh, what do you try and emulate um, with him? He had another pretty good year this year because he won those two majors. Yeah. And uh, what I his putting really let him down this year, but if it if it wasn't for all the time he's put in, he wouldn't be where he's at either. Yeah. So I'm just trying to put in the same amount of work as he has and try to get to that next level. Gotcha. Uh hopefully you'll be out there one day like him, uh holding up a wearing a green jacket. And that's what I'd hope and all the family and the supporters I have behind me want me to see see me do that too. Gotcha. Well, uh, Jordan, thank you for taking the time. Thank you, thank you for joining us on the sportscast, and uh, good luck on Wednesday at the SSC match at Dogwood, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you for having me, and I'm, we're going to have a pretty good year, and thanks for all the comments that you guys had about us. So we're back on the PDT Sportscast. Uh, we got just a little bit of time left. Uh, time for one more segment. That's our weekly picks. Uh, last year, Chris, I think you just barely edged me out. I think you beat me by two or three games. I'm coming for you this year. I have a year of experience under my belt, and uh, I'm ready for some football. What about you? Yeah, it was a fun season. Very close, competitive. I'm looking forward to hopefully uh, leading the pack this year. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, let's start off... Uh, Full disclosure, not sure when this uh, you'll be listening to this, but hopefully we can get this out by Thursday. That's when uh, Bally takes on Portsmouth at the Coliseum. Um, how do you think that game shakes out, Chris? I, I think it'll be a close competitive game, maybe not a 41-40 like it was last year, but uh, I think Bally will edge Portsmouth again this year. I think they're just a little too tough, a little too experienced, and, and I think they have the edge in this one. I agree. Um, I don't know, like you said, I don't know if it'll be another 41-40 to 40 offensive showdown. I think as the season went on, Valley's defense really became the strength of that team. Uh, Portsmouth's new scheme, I think, will also limit uh, what Valley can do offensively. But in the end, I think that Valley uh, will prevail and come away with the victory. Uh, let's move on to Newcath and West. That was an interesting game last year. Uh, West, under their first game in the Ben Johnson era, came out... Um, they traveled to Newcalf and fell 7 to nothing. They couldn't get anything going on offense. I think that with a year under uh, year under their belt in the Ben Johnson system, they kind of know what they're doing offensively now. I think their defense is probably just as good as it was last year, maybe a tiny step back from what they lost, but not much worse. Um, and I, they have the advantage of playing at home this year, so... I think that West comes away with the victory and um, sort of proves that last year was a little bit of a fluke la uh, against the Green Wave. Uh, Newark Catholic's always been one of those really tough teams. Mm -hmm. um, I believe they actually scored uh, first or second drive against West last year, and then that was it, like you said, nothing. Yeah. Um, however, you know, with West giving up 80% of their offense to graduation, um, it's, it's kind of the same situation as it was last year. You don't really know what to expect with them offensively. Uh, defense should still be good, low-scoring game, but I think uh, Newark Catholic will take the take the victory again this year. Yeah, Newark Catholic coming off a five and five season, I also think that plays into um, 
um, this game, I think that they're still on a little bit of a downswing, so maybe West can take advantage of that. Moving on to Minford and South Point. Um, Minford last year ended up 6-4, and four, um, just barely missed out on the playoffs. Uh, South Point finished 2-8. and eight. I think any time an SOC team plays one of these uh, lower-rung OVC teams, you got to give the edge to the SOC team. Um, that's why I think Minford comes away with the victory, um, just because for the pure fact they play in the better conference and just last year's record was so much better. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think Minford beat them something like 37-14 or something last year. Um, I'd expect something similar to that score. Um, I think Minford will beat them pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to Northwest and Southeastern. Um, Southeastern had a rough year last year. They finished 0-10. Uh, that season started off with a 28-14 loss to Northwest at Trojan Coliseum because of Northwest field problems. This year, um, they're playing at Southeastern. I don't think it'll be any different. I think that Northwest comes away with a victory. Um, again, Southwest, Southeastern on that downswing. Uh, Northwest is kind of peaking at their pro, they're at their program's peak right now. I don't think they've ever been better. So I think Northwest takes advantage and comes away with a win. Yeah, I think uh, Northwest does have a few questions at quarterback, you know, with Drew Scarberry graduating and things. Um, but like you said, you know, Southeastern uh, 0-10, you know, how can you really, you know, pick a, an 0-10 team comfortably to come out and win their first game the following season? So, yeah, I'll take a Northwest uh, in that contest. Moving on to South Gallia and East. Uh, last year, South Gallia came out and kind of shocked East. They won 48-12 at home. Uh, this year, they're playing at East. Uh, last year, uh, the Tartans were playing with Tyler Gerald and Nick Basham. They won't have either of them on the offensive line this year. That's why I think South Gallia comes away with a victory. Um, I mean, their their records are pretty similar last year. South Gallia was kind of middle of the pack. East finished 5-5, five and five, but um, with everything, with their offensive line being such a big question mark, I think that South Gallia is really going to take advantage. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think South Gallia, like you said last year, they beat them pretty good, and um, East offensive line was was so much better. I don't I don't want to say the worst this year, but they, they just have question marks. So until we know a little bit more about East, um, I'll take South Gallia to uh, to pull off that victory. Um, yeah, uh, I mean East, it's going to be an interesting year for them. I think it'll be uh, good to see what uh, Akia Brown can do with that sort of limited offensive line. I still think he'll have be poised for a big game, but they guys got a lot of hurdles to overcome there. Uh, Green and Manchester. Uh, tough year for the Bobcats last year, with, working with only 13 players. Um, Green, uh, Manchester came in and beat Green 52 to nothing last year. Um, that was at Green. Uh, Manchester finished four and six last year. Um, I think it'll be a little bit more competitive this year, just because Green has a lot more players to work with. They're up to about 21 players, um, but I still think Manchester comes away with a win. Yeah, I agree. Um, Green, I think they're on the right um, slope. You know, I think they're headed up. But right now, I don't think that they um, can match up with Manchester. So I think Manchester should win that pretty easily. Moving on to another interesting non-conference uh, game, Oak Hill and Chesapeake. Um, Oak Hill's, uh, of course, the SOC one sort of pace setter. Um, and uh, Chesapeake, a little bit bigger school but in, the, in that OVC conference. So it's an interesting matchup here. You got sort of the lower tier SOC versus the OVC. Um, Chesapeake ended up six and four last year, but one of those losses was a forty to nothing loss to Oak Hill. I think that holds true again this year, even though it's at Chesapeake and Oak Hill comes away with a win. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, Oak Hill has a lot of depth at their disposal. And last year, you know, Oak Hill Chesapeake is usually always a rivalry game. But last year, for some reason, you know, 40 to nothing um, just, just kind of sticks out in my mind. I think Oak Hill right now just has an advantage, maybe psychologically, on Chesapeake. So I don't look for that to, you know, go away anytime soon. So I think Oak Hill will take that one. Uh, going up to, over to the other pace setter in the SOC one, you had Sims Valley going north to visit Chillicothe Huntington. Last year, the Huntsmen were three and seven. Um, I, I, Sims Valley, of course, had a pretty good year, made the playoffs. Uh, again, I think um, Sims Valley comes away with the win. I think Rusty Webb's team just, um, he always has sort of the schemes and um, all the coaching points sort of checked off. Um, I think their uh, rushing attack will be too much for Huntington to handle, and Sims Valley comes away with a win. Yeah, Rusty Webb is uh, three wins shy of 100 for his career. I think he gets one Friday night against Chillicothe Huntington. Um, many think that this upcoming game right here is the game of the week. You got Ironton uh, with Wheelersburg coming into town. Um, again, I think that there's only four numbers that matter when you're previewing this game. Um, 42 and 16, that was the score of Wheelersburg's win in week one last year. And then you got 38 and 7, that was the score of Wheelersburg's win in the regional fi- semifinals last year. Um, I think a lot of people thought that those two games were going to be a lot closer than they ended up being, and Wheelersburg just blew them away. And I think that's the re- main reason I'm taking Wheelersburg over Ironton this week. Yeah, I'm taking Wheelersburg also. Um, like you said, you know, the two games stick out to me last year. Um, Especially the second one. A lot of people thought, you know, Ironton had a full season under their belt. They were coming in with a lot of momentum into the playoff game. You know, that was going to be their chance to really show people exactly how they could take on Willersburg, and it was a blowout. You know, so until until I see Ironton really give them a good competitive game, I'm going to take Willersburg. Uh, let's see. Let's go north to Eastern. Uh, they're playing their first official Division Seven game this week. They're taking on Millersport. Um, Millersport finished 7-3 and three in 2014, um, and they were pretty close to making the playoffs. However, if you dig a little bit deeper, um, they only beat one team with a winning record, and that was St. John Central, who finished 5-4. and four. I think two or three of their games came against, or maybe three or four of their games came against teams with either one or two wins the entire season. Um, so I, and I mean, you don't really know what to expect out of Eastern. We talked about it last week. They've really shrouded that program in mystery. But I, I think that just Millersport, they were kind of they they didn't really beat the teams they, they they beat the teams they needed to, but they didn't really shock anyone. So I'm gonna go ahead and take Eastern, um, just because I think that they're they're legit and they're they're for real. Well, and Millersport was only three for three on the road last year. However, you know it is Eastern's first game, so why not pick against them and just go ahead and take Millersport and see how it goes from there. You know. Yeah, so, solid, solid logic there, I guess. <laughs> Why not? We, we can't pick everything the same. So Exactly. you got to spice it up a little bit. Um, and I think we only have one game left. That's uh, Green Up and Russell, a little Kentucky classic over there on the other side of the river. Um, I think you were telling me earlier. Oh, two games. Piketon, P- Waverly, and Southern Notre Dame. Oh, that's right. Okay. Again, getting ahead of myself. Um, so Piketon, Waverly, you got the Pike County Classic. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Piketon. Uh, you look at the score last year – Waverly kind of ran away with it there at the end. Um, it seemed like the scoreboard was a little deceiving, though, because uh, Devin Brewster was ejected during, I think, the first half of that game. Matt Smith missed a lot of time with injury. Um, and uh, 
a lot of those uh, Wheelersburg points came, or uh, sorry, Waverly points came in garbage time. So um, I think that it was a little deceiving, even though Waverly is debuting their new turf, there's a lot of excitement in Tigertown. I, I'm going to go ahead and take Piketon in the Pike County Classic. I think uh, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong last year for Piketon. And, you know, I think it'd be hard to repeat that performance. I, I, even if you tried, I don't think you could repeat that performance. So, yeah, I'm going to take Piketon also to maybe get a little revenge on Waverly this year. Notre Dame and Southern. So last year, uh, Notre Dame, I think, traveled to Southern. Um, they're a big, bruising team, uh, really physical. Uh, they um, have a lot of size in the trenches. Unfortunately, Notre Dame lost a lot of size in the offseason uh, with C.J. Smith, Charlie Eichenlob, and Evan Carell all graduating. Um, that's why I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Southern again this year to beat the Spartans or the Titans in Spartan Stadium. Yeah, I think the combination you just mentioned uh, doesn't bode well for the Titans in this matchup. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Southern also to beat Notre Dame. Now we're on to our last game. I was getting ahead of myself earlier, but uh, here it is, the Kentucky uh, showdown this week. Uh, Greenup, Greenup County visits Russell. Um, I think you were telling me earlier that Greenup County has never beaten Russell in, I guess, the entire history of this rivalry game. Um, at Russell. At Russell. So on the road. they never beat him on the road. Uh, I I know it's kind of a rivalry game. It's a very one-sided rivalry, and I think that can get into players' heads at some point where there's just so much history on the other side of the rivalry. It's really hard to overcome that, so I'm going to go ahead and take the, the Red Devils over, over Greenup this week. Yeah, um, you know, this this might be one of the better teams Greenup's had, uh, especially in recent memory. Um, they have a lot of skilled position players. Unfortunately for the Musketeers, um, Russell has – probably better skill position players. They're deeper at their skill position. Um, so, yeah, I think Russell will um, continue to, to pull away in this rivalry. I think it'll be close, but, yeah, I think uh, the Red Devils will win this one also. And I guess that does it for week one. I think we have a couple of differences um, on our uh, slate of picks. So we'll two see. games. Two games. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out for us. Um, but that will do it for uh, week two of the SportsCast. Um, as always, you can follow us on um, iTunes. Uh, just search. If you have an iPhone, all you got to do is find the podcast app, type in PDT Sportscast, and subscribe, and it will send it right to your phone every time we release a new episode. No need to come find us. We'll come to you. Um, if there's anything you want us to see us discuss on any future episodes of the Sportscast, uh, send us a tweet. Chris is at CR Sloan. I am at PDT Sportswriter. Um, or send us an email at pdtsports at civitasmedia.com. Thanks for listening and have a great week.